Hello and welcome back to Well With My Soul, the podcast about spiritual and emotional health from Seven Vineyard. Uh, my name is Bern Leckie and I'm joined today by a panel including Owen Lynch, who did the talk last week on family of origin. Hi, Owen. Hi, Bern. Tell us a bit more about what you do. I'm one of the co-lead pastors of Seven Vineyard, a church that my wife and I started 11 years ago. And I also work um, part-time as a private physiotherapist as well. Great. And can you tell us something that's influenced you from your family? Maybe something good from your family and something not so good? Yeah, I think that the word that probably uh, sums up what I would want to say would be passion. My family is a very passionate family. Strong emotions are kind of often at the surface. And that can be great because it can be a source of great fun and, and celebration and joy. But it can also be a source of pain because not always quick to regulate that passion when we're frustrated or annoyed. So uh, we can be both passionate with anger and passionate with joy. Oh, yeah. I can imagine that has its ups and downs. Yeah. Wow. We are joined today as well by a panel who've been listening to your talk. And uh, let's go meet them now. Here's Dan. Hello, Ben. Just remind us, what do you do, Dan? I'm on the staff team at Seven overseeing community groups, and I lead a local charity called Bridges for Communities. Amazing. And can you tell us something good, something not so good that's influenced you from your family? Uh, something good, I think, uh, a love for travel and adventure. So my parents moved to India when I was four years old. All of my childhood memories are out there. And it gave me yeah, a desire to see more of the world. And I think also just a gratitude for what we've got, because they always kind of instilled that in us of thankfulness for all of the good things that we had as we kind of went on those travels and lived life. Something not so good, I would say being pretty dysfunctional around conflict and actually for much of my life, unable to cope with conflict because I didn't see it modeled. Uh, I can tell you more about that a bit later, perhaps, but that was definitely something that's impacted my life. Mm, very good. Thanks, Dan. And Anna is here. Hi, Anna. Hello. Hi, Ben. Good morning. I'm a physiotherapist working with children, a job that I love. Amazing. So what's been influencing you from your family? Yeah, I think a really good thing about my family was a sense of togetherness. We were instilled with a kind of looking out for each other, checking in on each other. My parents played a lot of sport, so we had a big community of other sports people around us, and that made for a lot of fun growing up. A not-so-good thing, my parents were excellent, uh, but I think one of the things that I found difficult was that things were dependent on how well you did. So it wasn't so much about effort, but about uh, success. And so sometimes if I wasn't successful in what I did, I found that very, very difficult in my family. So, um, yeah, my dad was an amazing guy. And I've, I think the pressure was mine, not coming from him necessarily, but the pressure to also do really well was definitely present. So, yeah, that's something I'll probably talk about later. Wow. And also on the panel is Helen. Uh, hi, Ben. I'm a play therapist. So I work with children, um, helping them with emotional needs, like a counsellor for children. Amazing. Can you tell us something that's influenced you from your family? Something good, something not so good? Yeah, um, I think the fact that we've got Jewish roots. So my mum was a Holocaust survivor. And obviously that's not so good for her and the background and what that's brought. So I think on that, the not so good side of it is the trauma that was related 
to um, my mum coming over to England and her journey. But what's been good about that is a sense of identity within our family and almost a determination and a passion and a, a sense of pride in how we approach life. So that's, although it wasn't so good, obviously, for my mum's family, it has, through the generation, brought some good things as well. Wow. And in my family, when I grew up, we had very little money at home, but I had an uncle who was into traveling the world and global cuisine and would have me round uh, to stay with him in the summers. Uh, and that was a fantastic influence on me that I've never shaken off his taste for adventure and nice things. Um, on the not so good side, I guess it was the family wasn't always kind of functional when it came to telling each other the truth and 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 there was some particular things that made a kind of a deep impression on me again uh, when I was a late teenager sort of secrecy and things like that I'm already being guarded I can hear myself now and what I'm gonna how I'm gonna tell you all about it um it's passed on to me I think a certain kind of feeling for the need for discretion which isn't too bad but but also uh, makes it hard to open up. Where, where it really affected me is it made me think for a long time, I just can't, I can't handle this properly. And I, and I ruled myself out in my early 20s from being a dad. <laughs> and, uh, and it took me quite a while to overcome that. And that was, that was really just that, that sort of passing on of what I felt I'd learned. Like, uh, I'm not sure as I could see it going well. <laughs> but yeah, that has all changed. So I'm very grateful for that. So we're going to talk today about all these different things that we've uh, seen people pick up. I'm hoping we get to the point where whatever it is we realised we've inherited, we'll, we'll we'll talk about how we can overcome that. So wh- whatever you're feeling as you're listening to this about your family, good or, or, or not so good, hopefully there is some light at the end of that tunnel. Does that sound good to you? Sounds good to me. <laughs> Excellent. So in Owen's talk about family of origin, we looked at how and why family is an influence on us as we grow up. They pass on their genes. They're there in our early years of formation. And and so we've got physical characteristics and behaviours that pass on from one generation to the next. Owen looked at um, various Bible characters like Abraham, very famous bible character well regarded in history but also did did a bit of famous lying uh, which repeats with his son isaac and then his son jacob king david there's lots of that's good about him but he's a flawed guy as well and and his sons seem a bit bit kind of messed up does anyone else identify with this i can identify with that sense that my behaviors and thought processes are not in a way entirely down to just me, that, that, that they're influenced by my dad, they're influenced by my granddad, that, you know, that, that there's the pattern of thinking and behaving. Yeah, the way we think and act is impacted by our formative experiences with family. I can definitely relate to that. I just think, Dan, building on that and through our genes, that we accept the way that we might look like our parents. That's We all believe and accept that really easily. You know, you've got your mum's eyes, your dad's hair, you're tall like the rest of your family but I think coming through is we often don't think about what emotional ways that we behave that we've inherited 
thinking that we would have these behaviours and these ways of acting and responding that were just as hereditary as our physical ways of looking and, and, and being. So I think that that was that's been quite quite huge for me to just relate it in that in that way. I think that's very interesting because I think for me as a teenager and as a young adult, I felt I couldn't be any more different from the rest of my family. You know, you sort of define yourself, don't you, as to, as to how you're a unique person and how you're different. When did you start to feel that you had inherited more from your family than you thought? Yeah, that's a, a really good question, Ben. And I would say for me, over the last 10 years or more, I've been exploring and understanding, particularly as a play therapist, part of my training, but also a real personal interest in why I am, you know, why I behave the way I do. Anna, what do you think? Yeah, I think for me, these topics have become more evident as I see myself becoming more like my mum, for example, and then having my own children and seeing the similarities in them compared to me. And I think the whole nature-nurture debate rages on. But, um, yeah, when you see your own mannerisms and attitudes and ways of dealing with situations mirrored in those around you, I think it's been a real wake-up call for me that there are perhaps some things in my family we need to celebrate and carry on because they're good, but there are some things that have come from generations before that actually I'd quite like to steer a different way. And that's a real challenge, it turns out. <laughs> you know, and you kind of say, oh, gosh, I'm not turning into my mum. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, the challenge of having my own family has definitely brought this whole topic to life, I tell you. Yeah, yeah, hearing that, I think it's, I think for me as well, the the, the experience of becoming a parent is is very much one where you where you start to kind of compare yourself at least with with the parenting that you saw or experienced yourself it doesn't mean it has to be the same has anyone got any more examples of something that you've realized later in life that you grew up with but you didn't realize it for a while i think owen talked about this idea of you've had an experience and you've interpreted it you've made a meaning of it so the example that comes to mind for me with that is what I saw around conflict in the home where uh, it wasn't really ever done uh, properly in front of us in terms of between my mum and dad or if there was conflict it tended to be my mum getting very cross and my dad just apologizing and kind of choosing not to go there and so I think the meaning that I made from that observing it was that it was better to not engage with the conflict, to, uh, I guess, choose to be gracious um, and to kind of try and move on as quickly as possible. Hmm. And I think I then picked that up and continued it. And there were several other factors. You know, it's not just what I saw from my mum and dad, um, the environment I was in, in, this, in the school that I was in, uh, my own kind of need for approval and acceptance, all of those things fed into then, I think, me repeating that pattern uh, because the meaning that I had made from observing conflict was that I wouldn't receive acceptance and approval if I went into conflict with somebody and that the relationship was at stake. So actually, it's really hard to break out of that because it's a, it's a way of seeing the world. It's an interpretation that I had to then question 
and almost try a different way of living and then realize, oh, actually my relationships don't end when I have a conflict with somebody. People don't necessarily reject me or <laughs> remove that acceptance from me. So yeah, that, you know, that's been a, a more recent kind of journey for me from something that started you know, way back uh, as far as I can remember. That's great. Dan, you've described quite a comprehensive journey there. Uh, can we just stick with this for a minute? Because I want to sort of try and understand better how you've gone on this. At what point were, were you aware that you made that sort of decision when it, when it came to like, how you would react and what you would do? Uh, I think when I got married... Uh, so, you know, living in close proximity to another person and the natural way that that brings up difference and, um, and challenge and then becoming a parent as well. I mean, I think I realized uh, when we had children that I had never raised my voice at somebody, uh, which sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But really, until I had kids, I never lost the plot in terms of just needing to express myself like that. I'd always just managed to moderate it. And I'd thought that that was, you know, that's a positive thing to be able to do that. Uh, so I think I'd known for quite a long time that I was kind of stuck in this pattern and it's in close relationship. I think it's in the, my marriage, it's with team where, you know, that, or I knew that I was kind of keeping things in or bottling things up and not going through a healthy process of dealing with conflict. So I think it'd been years that I was aware of it before I had any idea what to do with it. Oh, okay. So there was a time of where you weren't aware, but then there was a time when you were aware but didn't know what to do, and then a time when you've you, you've processed it. Okay, because I, I was talking about vows, um, vows that you make to yourself. And I was struck by by that because I was just wondering what point for you you made that vow. Was it an unconscious thing? way back when, or was it a conscious decision that you ever remember making? I think for me, it was unconscious because I wouldn't link it to any particular one experience or traumatic experience in my childhood. It was more the environment and what I saw modeled led to this kind of view of the world that conflict wasn't worth it. And what I really wanted was acceptance and approval. And I'd do whatever it takes to get that including avoiding conflict. Mm -hmm. And what has helped you to sort of crystallize that into this very clear form that you've got now where you could describe it to, to other people? Uh, I think just going on a process of talking to other people about it. I still have a long way to go, by the way. So the fact that I can describe it and I'm now really aware of it does not mean that I can yet do it very well. <laughs> <laughs> and some of you on the call have experienced my attempts to kind of grow in this area. Uh, but it's really hard when you've got a lifetime of a pattern of a way of being or relating. And then you try to change that because you know that you're a bit stuck and you know that you want to change. But I think the only way to do it is in relationship. It's in trying learning to be vulnerable about it and that it's okay to, to talk about the ways that we're stuck. And then, I mean, one, one thing that has really helped me is to see, that the root of it is in needing acceptance and approval, which are normal and human and God-given needs, but actually in learning to receive those more from God and 
in, in, in striving to get them less from other people. You described that as learning. What, what was teaching you that? Or where did you learn that from? Uh, so I signed up for a course called Emotionally Focused, along with, uh, at the time, just a couple of others uh, from Seven Vineyard, including Owen. And then I think really that process has been massively helpful over a couple of years and doing it with other people who are also going through that process, but thinking about very different things, uh, just having that environment and that culture where we're learning to be more open about the ways in which we're emotionally unhealthy, <laughs> um, but then growing through that. Great. It feels to me that the process of kind of becoming aware of what's influenced us as family and then being conscious of that and, and then changing the things that we that we thought were not so good could make us see our families in a different light could make us feel kind of a bit disrespectful in a way to, to our families and what they've passed on to us um how do we deal with that though does that does that make us feel conflicted between you know being in a loving family and uh and and, and then consciously wanting to change something yeah i think that's what i relate to burn i think for me there's a tension especially now that I'm a parent, I take my hat off to my parents for their parenting <laughs> because it's just not easy. Um, and any of us could find ourselves in difficult situations where we're a bit out of our depth and anything could happen, basically. So I feel a lot of respect for my parents, but I also perhaps found some aspects of my childhood quite difficult. And I think there's a tension in saying that I want things to be different for my family because that sounds like I'm disrespecting my own parents who did their best. Mm. So, yeah, there's a tension there for me. And I'm not quite sure how to resolve that within myself, if I'm honest. Yeah, that's a very good, honest observation. I, I relate to it in myself in taking a long time to resolve the the grr of my 20s of wanting to be very different and 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 needing to get rid of that before I felt I was ready to be a parent myself and then over years sort of uh, over recent years um just just trying to bring those things back together really sort of accept that people are flawed <laughs> and accept that I am flawed and that actually that's still fine you know it's not, not like I got the luxury in life to only hang around with perfect people you like to think that your kids think you're perfect, but I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping my son doesn't. You're <laughs> not honest, I'm hoping he's growing up knowing. But I think, and Bern, I feel like this is an opportunity to link back to our last chat, really, because, I mean, we talked, didn't we, about, well, I talked about it being a relief to be real, and, you know, none of us are perfect. And I think it, as we go on a process of acknowledging and realizing where our weaknesses are and why perhaps they're there, it's easy to feel like we're, we're making it, you know, we're doing this work, we're trying to improve things and that feels good. I, I want to address my issues, but you know, that doesn't give me any right to look at other people and judge them. I'm not them. They're in a unique set of circumstances. And I think a lot of us are just doing our best. And what I really appreciate and have appreciated with Seven Vineyards Talks is the opportunity to look at 
what's behind our behavior, why we think like we think. And I think I felt a bit trapped in the past. You know, this is just the way I was brought up. It's the way I've, it's ingrained in me. I can't really get out of it. And I have seen now that there are other ways that if I process my stuff, then there's a hope of things being different for my children. Not that it was really awful for me, but just that I can make changes in my life that will influence them. And that feels so good. Brilliant. What else have we learned about how to change and move forwards after accepting and realizing all the things that have influenced us? What are the, what have been the most effective things we found that have helped us change? Or like, like Owen said, uh, as he mentioned, Jesus talking about be, being born again, you know, have, a, have our own fresh starts in life. What's really helped us with that? Oh, well, my top thing is that I was surprised, but when I told people my struggles, I wasn't judged. And I think for me, that is the key thing. I couldn't possibly process this stuff on my own. And the people I've chosen to share my deeper thinking and my struggles and my weaknesses with haven't judged me. It turns out that they have their weaknesses too, which is good to hear, isn't it? <laughs> We're all in this together. That's amazing what that opens up, isn't it? When Once we're ready to admit that we're not perfect, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. I think building on what, Bert, what you've just said about perfect, burn, I think um, learning that that's absolutely okay, that we're not perfect and we don't need to be perfect. And for me, with my kids, I think it's been great to be able to almost to drop those expectations that we, we're not expecting ourselves to be perfect. We're not expecting our kids or those around us and to be able to to be giving it more of a sense of freedom to be who who God created me to be and to be myself and not almost trying to be put this this mask on of somebody who I'm not and all the tensions that that has brought that I think that's been huge and the the question you said about what's helped you is we talked on I know Owen talked about it like an iceberg and it's almost going below the water level and going into the iceberg and going ah and I always have those moments of going oh that's why I do that that's why I feel that ah and those moments of ah are actually quite releasing that ah now I understand why when I'm in a tense situation or when there's lots going on around me or conflict that I'm trying to keep the peace, why I'm being a peacemaker. Oh, and actually I find it quite freeing and quite releasing. Uh, Dan Siegel, a, a guy calls you name it to tame it. And I got the name on it and I go, oh, that helps. Name it to tame it. Love it. That sounds very powerful. Anything else that, that people have got that's helped them make progress and go beyond? Uh, I think sometimes it means building a new habit. And a really simple one that I've been using is just a little like meditation. Uh, so with what I shared earlier about conflict and actually not wanting to engage with it because of wanting approval, a little meditation that helps me connect with God's approval of me, his love for me uh, each morning has actually been a really helpful way to say, okay, this is where I'm stuck. What's the counterbalance or what's the antidote? You know, why I'm reacting that way under pressure? Well, actually, uh, God has something 
to say about that and something for me. So, yeah, it's just a little exercise I go through each morning based on centering prayer, laying down all of the ways in which I feel anxious, stressed, guilty, ashamed, hurried, all of those things, and actually kind of putting my hands uh, face down as a way of laying them before God and then turning my hands over to receive the opposite of all those. So receiving God's acceptance, love, peace, forgiveness, uh, et cetera, uh, whatever it is that he brings to mind in that moment. And then just having a moment just to rest in that. Uh, it, it's like a five-minute meditation that I've been doing, but uh, I think it's been really powerful for me because it directly addresses the root of where my pattern of being stuck has come from amazing well that's all really great ideas they are really great ideas ben you know one thing just finish with for me is the sense of one of the challenges of facing up to your family of origin is actually you can deal with it within yourself but actually how do you even begin to talk to your family about it you know particularly if there's 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 pain involved my mum, uh, we lost my dad two years ago, but my mum, um, she, she actually was interested in doing the Emotionally Focused course. So she actually came and did the Emotionally Focused Intensive, which really, you know, was a really, like, first thing at the time she'd ever done anything like that before. And she really got a lot out of it and gave us a common language for communication. So we actually able to talk a bit more about how she was affected by her family of origin and how I was affected by my family of origin, which obviously included her. And that was, that was really, really profound actually, because we were able to actually talk in the same language and actually we got a level of trust because we were able to be more vulnerable with one another about our, you know, shared experiences throughout life really and um a funny circular story um about oh, it would have been in may this year claire and i and the kids went up to cheshire to visit my mom and stayed with my mom and uh as sometimes happens claire and i um when we have time you know away from the home and you know on holiday together we usually have a big row about something and i remember one morning and it was one ding dong of a row because we were both yelling at each other at the top of our voices funnily enough the kids weren't in the house only my mom was in the house and um we had a big ding dong of a yelling match and we we rarely have a ding dong like that and uh it took a, a couple of days to resolve this argument but anyway afterwards i spoke to my mom and i said oh you know I apologise for Claire and I shouting at each other, you know, in your in your hearing. And uh, she she kind of said, "Well, she said, well, you you had to put up with me and your dad yelling at each other when we were ki- when you were kids. So um, don't don't even think about it. You know, it's I mean, it's a different kind of setup, obviously, because my mom's my mom and I was a child then. But nevertheless, that acknowledgement of that was really profound. It really meant something, and it was lovely to be able to share share like that and be really open and honest." It was. It really. It's really taken our relationship between my mum and I to a new level, which is really brilliant. That's great. I'm really struck as we've talked today about how much we've realised we've been influenced, and then how much realising the imperfections that we've all shared and the imperfections that we have ourselves have really helped us move on. I think that's uh, that's really profound. Because I normally think about progress as in getting better and better and better at stuff, and uh, and and this realization of of, a, of our sort of imperfections and limits 
has been really important, make, um, helping us move forward. So next week, actually, we're going to carry on this theme about limits and how we aren't able to be perfect, how we are all limited in, 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 in different ways and, uh, and, and how embracing that. Owen's going to talk uh, about what that's like and, and, and how that can actually help our emotional health when we don't try and be uh, perfect. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that and I'm looking forward to catching up with all of you in a couple of weeks time uh, when, we, when we chat about it some more. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you later. Does that sound like an ending? That was a very smooth ending there. Very smooth ending. You're yeah, good. Well done. Very good.